As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. podcast on the athletic network it's monday december 13th i'm j.e skeets and alongside me as always i know he loves a good sir foster it's tass mellis ah uh, it's great to hear and see the man behind the organ huh. got our top shot hot boy ribbing them lips trey kirby hey yo hey yo the international man of mystery taking it to the max lee ellis friends Certainly not least, making the magic happen. Super producer, JD. Hello. There he is, and here we are. Shout out to the stream team for joining us live right now on YouTube. Let's everybody take a second, like the video, comment away, both live and later in the YouTube comments. Subscribe and share the show. We eclipsed 46,000 subs on YouTube over the weekend, so we are getting awfully close to 50K. Let's do it by Christmas, guys. Help us out. Email in your NBA questions to nodunksattheathletic.com. I'm sure we'll hit the beach at some point this week. Get to beach stepping, so get those cues in. Get your comments in. And follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. It's on fire. Our TikTok account. Woo! Mwah! Chef's kiss. At nodunksinc, I-N-C. Best way to do that. Also... If you haven't already, I don't know what you're doing, but check out Sunday's No Breaks season finale. What an ending to the Formula One season. My God, Trey and Graydon did an excellent job breaking down Max Verstappen's first Formula One World Championship uh, victory there after a controversial, very controversial victory over Lewis Hamilton in Abu Dhabi. Uh, Trey, that that was crazy. That was a crazy race. It's worth watching the race and then listening to the podcast right away. I'm happy we did it live yesterday, even if we didn't necessarily have everything totally figured out about what happened. But Skeets <laughs> might not be the season finale. We might have to do a, 
uh, remix after the court case goes down at the FIA court. Can Lewis Hamilton win his eighth championship sitting in a chair? <laughs> we shall see. Oh my goodness, yeah. We went car racing, Toto! <laughs> Motor racing, wasn't it? It's <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, go check that out. Great job uh, by you at Graded all season long. And yay, maybe it's not done. Uh, even this season, then we'll look ahead, of course, to next season. I heard they start like in... 90 days or something like that the next season. Is that correct? I think we're down to 97 days now, oh, Skeets. Wow, wow. Yeah, short off season because they do their off season in the middle of the season. So all you got to do is simply build a car and get it ready to race. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Silly season where uh, the yeah. drivers are moving around, they call it. All right. Well, fun Monday show. You guys know how we do it. Winners and losers of the NBA weekend. Let's start with the winners. That makes sense. I'll go first, actually, because I just want to tee this up for you guys and everybody here in the stream team. Kevin Durant is a winner of the weekend. He scored an NBA season-high 51 points against the Detroit Pistons. 116-104 victory came in. He was unstoppable-looking. I mean, he scored from all over the floor. This is what KD does. He had six shots at the rim. He had five from the mid-range. He had five from deep. He made 14 free throws. Oh, yeah, he also had seven boards, nine assists, and two blocks. Um, Asked if he was aware that he was approaching 50 points, Lee, in the fourth quarter. Durant cracked a smile and said, of course. <laughs> so there it is. I love that. That's some honesty right there. Yeah, I knew. And he set the record for points scored in Little Caesars Arena, mm. which only opened a couple years ago. No, here's the fun part about the cool. stat, right? No, here's the fun part. He bested Blake Griffin's 50 in 2018, mm. Kyrie Irving's 45 in 2020, and James Harden's 44 last season. All of them, of course, on the Brooklyn Nets. That's the weird part there. So... I guess the four highest scoring performances in the pizza box all belong to Brooklyn. But yeah, uh, Lily, KD, I mean, you saw this masterpiece there on Sunday. Uh, this was after a nice victory on Friday night against the Hawks. Then he got fined $25,000 for uh, getting into it with a fan, and then he follows it up uh, with the 51 there. Yeah, it looked last night especially like, you know, like in Australia when you play juniors, it's under 12s and then under 14s and then under 16s. It looked like KD was an under 16er playing against under 12s last night. Just like he had that game in total control. Now the Pistons led this one. It actually competed, but it felt like when Kevin Durant was like, yeah, okay, guys, you've had enough fun here. Now I'm just going to go out there and take it away from you. And he was just fantastic. No one could really stop him I mean at one point Frank Jackson was trying to get all up in his grill and KD just turned around looked <laughs> down and kind of smirked and laughed as if to say you guys you didn't really think you were going to win this game did you I mean come on let's be serious a little bit the same what happened Friday night down here in the fortress Trey Young was getting into it there with KD and KD just kind of looks down at him and says like Trey I respect you you're a good player but you're not going to beat me sorry I just this is what I do I'm Kevin Durant he hasn't been shooting the three-pointer all that well by his standards in the last few games here but he had a couple last night to just really sort of separate the teams and uh, just remind everybody that hey Kevin Durant pretty good player I, I think Steph Curry remains the MVP favorite for this season and Giannis probably second but more games like this here from Kevin Durant he's going to uh, certainly keep his name in that conversation because you know again by his standards I don't think he's had one of those huge Kevin Durant seasons but he just sort of turns it on when he needs to and uh, he's always fun to watch because he's villainous he is villainous you know and we saw that he got the fine there on Friday night he talks a bit of trash to the crowd he gets into it but he also does know exactly this goes back to his thunder days he knows exactly what his box score is don't ever question that with Kevin Durant uh, so yeah another fantastic performance he's so silky smooth to watch and uh, it's good to see sort of evil Kevin Durant just pop up every now and again especially on a bit of a bit of a dreary Sunday let's be honest on the schedule well, I guess so yeah this was the seventh 50 point game of Katie's career quick trivia time 
Since he entered the league, only four other guys have more 50-point games than KD with the seven. Uh, can you guys name them? James Curry, Harden, Harden Lillard. Curry, Harden, Lillard. One more. Giannis. No. 50, 50, LeBron? Get more than LeBron. Yeah. LeBron. Yeah. Sure, so it's sure, uh, sure. good. He is good. He's yeah, more of a so, passer in my book, but I guess yeah, he can yeah, score yeah. as well. Yeah. I think it's a little surprising. Uh, LeBron was on there. Uh, Hardy with 23, Lillard with 12, Curry with 10, and LeBron with 9. Again, that's since KD uh, came into the league. Anything to add from that performance task that we saw there? Uh, really, both games from, from Durant. What he scored over? He scored over 80 points this weekend. Yeah, Durant, uh, with James Harden sitting drinking that smoothie on the sideline, had to take over for this Brooklyn Nets team. It was reminiscent of what he did to the Bucks last year in the playoffs when Harden was playing on one leg, and, and I think it's cool that he passed Curry's 50-point season high this season. Curry had the highest in a season uh, this year, and uh, I don't know if KD knew that when he was dropping that bucket there with a, a minute 30 left to get to the 50, but... I just find it uh, very tasty, very delectable that we've got Kevin Durant in one conference, his former teammate in the other conference, and Steph Curry, and those two dudes uh, atop their games. And, you know, it's, it's, it's feeling you know, like we've got a good possibility that they could face in the finals. Obviously, Yanis has to say something about that. Yep. Uh, but, you know, when you watch Kevin Durant and uh, you, you look at a seven-footer be able to do anything on the floor – I don't want to get into this uh, you know, first take debate, but who do you take as your number one pick? If you're having a draft right now, would you take him over Curry and Giannis? I mean, it's debatable. And then you even forget about LeBron. Actually, uh, LeBron obviously hasn't had a great season, but I think he's a winner of the weekend because he, the man can sleep. The man can sleep a lot. He said before his Sunday game, he slept 12 hours. You got to be a winner to be able to do that. But it was it was a 12-hour sleep in a 12-and-a-half-hour window. He said he slept 12 to 8, got up, a normal, normal hour, 8 a.m. Yeah. He had breakfast, and then he went back to sleep at 8.30 till 12.30. He slept. That's a lot of sleep. Respect. Yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. that's how he did it. He said that's the only that's way you can heal your body. It wasn't a calm ad as we've Sounds had on this show. It sure does. Um, <laughs> but impressive stuff. Dave McMahon reported that on ESPN. He, <laughs> the headline, I don't have it in front of me, but it basically was, LeBron has a great game due to sleep. Yeah. Uh, so amazing, <laughs> amazing stuff from LeBron. I, I know he'll be there in the end. He's chilling right now. Uh, but, you know, you watch KD, you watch Curry and those former dudes and, and them, you know, it seems like they're trains headed up against each other. But, you know, we've got other teams to talk about. But either way, man, special stuff with him on the leaderboard now with 51 and Steph with 50. Yeah, LeBron did have 30, 11, and 10, three blocks. He shot well against the Magic, like Tess said on Sunday. Jokic also, like, he's in this conversation for an MVP race early on. 35, 17, and 8 in a revenge win over the Spurs. Uh, that's pretty good. And then Giannis, you slipped his name in there. He averaged, the Greek Freak did, in two road games this weekend, 30 and a half points, 13 and a half rebounds, eight assists, two steals, and a block and a half, shooting 63% from the floor. And he did all of that in about 34, 35 minutes per game. So yeah, pretty good uh, weekend there for the, the stars of this league. Trey Kirby, I don't know if you have anything to add to either any of those guys or back to KD there with the 51. 
I just like that Kevin Durant scored as many points in the fourth quarter as the entire Detroit Pistons team did. 13 to 13 for KD, and it was takeover mode, and like Lee mentioned, he's playing defense as well. The guy is all over the court. 51 points, that's almost expected from Kevin Durant. Like, whoa, you didn't have a 50-point game yet this season? Welcome to the club, buddy, but the effort he's given defensively and as a playmaker I think is special too, and that's why he's certainly... Like, at worst, he's third in MVP voting right now. I mean, Curry's up there. Uh, Take your choice between Giannis and Jokic. Who else you're going to put in the mix? But, I mean, those four, that's the four right now. We shall see at the end of the season what the records are looking like and what the total stats are looking like. But it's going to be... Gonna be a tight contest, especially now that the this, uh, the Warriors have taken a couple of losses here as Steph Curry has basically been trying to get this record. So uh, once they start playing basketball, maybe we see Curry creeping back to the number one spot. But right now, feels like a toss-up. Tass, let's go to you next. Who's the winner of the weekend? The Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, this is are, Groundhog Day with you, I feel Well, like. yeah, but yeah. but now th- this team is for real. It was a cute story to start the season, but uh, what they did on Saturday, it's the equivalent of a basketball annihilation. I mean, there's no other word for it. Actually, there's other words. But, but uh, I just watched this team and what they did on Saturday, and it, it's now for real. They are going to be buyers at the deadline. The Cavs. They're totally for real for the first time since LeBron was there. Uh, and I think they strike fear into their opponents. They're not this cute story anymore. The good weekend started on Friday. They went into Minnesota. They hammered the Timberwolves. It was a drubbing. They were up 33 at one point in the game. Uh, bigs of Jared Allen and Evan Mobley just getting lob after lob after lob, just dunking on them Wolves. And this team is just so big. They had 31 baskets in the paint, 62 points in the paint. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. This team that starts a three seven-footers. I know we'll get to the Wolves in the other direction that they're going. Are they going to be sellers? We'll get to that later in the show. But this Cavs team, I think, is for real. Not only just that that Friday dropping. Okay, the Wolves are the Wolves. But Saturday, it was, it was worse. It was a massacre, a Saturday night massacre. It took place in Cleveland, the Cleveland Cavaliers, over the Sacramento Kings late in the second quarter. They were already up 20 points, so they're, they're already hammering the Kings. But their big started blocking every shot, and then they just ran down the other way, and, and their littles would score immediately, time after time and time after time. It was like, uh, it was scripted, it felt like. I was watching it live. It just felt like if you were going to depict one basketball team kicking the other one's ass as hard as possible, this would be it. <laughs> block, bucket, block, bucket, block, bucket. Jared Allen, huge block. Cavs run it down the floor. Seven seconds later, three ball. Cavs benches hopping up and down. It's a movie. And then the next play, Cavs go inside again. Evan Mobley this time stops De'Aaron Fox. Seven seconds later, Cavs another three ball. The benches going bonkers. A lot of sevens there. Uh, anyways, the lead was at 27 at that point. They put up 81 points in the first half against the Sacramento Kings. That doesn't happen very often. 81. That was uh, Jose Calderon's number a couple years back with the Cleveland Cavaliers, if you remember that. Not too many guys were 81 in the league. Quick trivia, Jose Calderon and the other player to wear 81 in NBA history. It's actually a current player. Mie Oni. Oh, nice call. Mie Oni of the Utah Jets. Sicko mode. Yeah, sick. Very sick on mode. Trey's not playing. Either are the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, I I think they're ready to put this LeBron era behind them for the first time. Really for the first time here. I know they were a cute story to start last year, but I think they've proven that they're better than the Knicks, Celtics, Hornets, and Wizards. Sort of that tier of team. And I think uh, if you look at the tiers in the Eastern Conference, the number one tier to me, 
it's the Bucks and the Nets, mm-hmm. and then the tier two teams that are knocking on the door to get in there are the Bulls and the Heat. They're close, but if you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to knock one of those teams off, the Nets or the Bucks to get into the conference final. Then there's tier three, and I think the Cavs belong there along with the Sixers and the Hawks. And uh, the Cavs are as good as those other two teams, or, or better. They've got the toughest schedule to date, ton of injuries, and now I expect them to make the playoffs. I listed seven teams there. Top six are the real playoff teams. Forget about this play-in tournament. So I expect them to be in there. And the interesting part here is two months before the trade deadline, uh, what do they do? We talked about them possibly acquiring Karis LeVert as their shooting guard on Friday show when we went through some of those Pacers deals. I know uh, Joe Varden, he was at the Annihilation on Saturday, a writer for The Athletic, and he wrote about potentially Karis LeVert as well uh, going to the Cavs. I'm not sure if he was listening to No Dunks while he was sitting there courtside with his pods in watching 81 points in the first half this Cavs team, man. Uh, So you don't want to play against this team. You just don't want to play against Allen and Mobley and then the starting Lowry Markinen beside him who's quietly being... Decent. He's doing right. good, man. Yeah. yeah. Just playing his role, you know, yeah. not, not messing around. And and I think the entire team is doing that. Like Isaac Okoro now in for Colin Sexton at the shooting guard spot. Can't really shoot at this point, but he's you know playing incredible defense if you watch him. Jetty Osman, the Turkish LeBron. I mean, he is playing really well off the bench too. Love Ruby off the bench. And Darius Garland is, if you, if you watch him, uh, lots of Twitter highlights of his passes dropping this weekend because he is setting guys up and he's really grown. So this team is growing. And I know our fans were really smart on Friday when we were talking on the drop. Do you really want to mess with this chemistry that they have? Um, Do you want to bring in a a guy who's going to be a big piece like Karis LeVert? I'm not sure how you guys feel about that, but I, uh, I know I I go both ways. I mean, the, the Cavs front office knows the locker room better than I do, but, um, Man, this team is going to be a disappointment for me if they're not in that top six. And, and uh, yeah, the Hawks and Sixers, I think, are, are kind of on their the same playing level as the Cavs. I just wanted to bring up this comment in the stream team from Matthew talking Cavs here. He says, what's the Cavs ceiling, though? Maybe win a couple of playoff games? To that I say, to that I say, yeah. <laughs> like, yes. And I don't want to, like, make funny here, Matthew, but, like, this happens a lot. They're like, well, yeah, but what? They're going to get in the playoffs and maybe lose in the first round. Maybe they win a couple games. But that that's good. That's a good step. And that's really great when your core is Sexlin, excuse me, Garland, Sexlin, maybe not there, the Sexton part of that, Allen, and Mobley. That's, that's totally fine. And who knows? You know, things break the right way. And maybe you are the Hawks of last year and you're, you're winning a, play, a first round series and maybe even another one. You never know. So like... It's like you can't just go from like being nothing to a championship team. There have to be steps. And I think that's great when your team is also young. Now, the question, Trey, that Tass asked, do you be at, are you active at the deadline because you are good and maybe you could get another piece like a Levert, like somebody else? Or do you worry about yeah screwing up a chemistry issue? I 100% would trade Colin Sexton to try and get somebody who's going to play this year and help out in the playoffs because the Cavs have posted a great record. They're 8-1 and one against teams that are below 500, 8-11 against teams that are 500 and above. The teams that Tass mentioned this weekend, they're shit teams. The Timberwolves and the Kings. And they smashed them, which is exactly what you should do, and yep. that's what you do when you're a good team. But if you want to make some noise in the playoffs, you're going to need to get something from the Sexton spot. And since he's not playing, and since you're kind of up in the air about whether you'd want to bring him back anyways, why not trade him and get something that helps this year? Yeah, Lee, what do you think? Well, uh, they've also got another little dilemma here, the Cavs, because Kevin Love is playing really well for them off the bench. Now, 
do you try to cash in on him? Or do you say, listen, this is actually a really good part of our second unit. He's giving us pop. He looks happy out there. I don't know if, you know, remember the body language last year, last couple of seasons, in fact, from Kevin Love has been like, I don't want to be here. But his contract's been so big, I think that's the main reason why teams haven't traded for him, but also he hasn't been producing. Now, in a much different role, much reduced role, he's really going out there and giving them some experience, some leadership, hitting those threes and playing really well. So if you're the Cavs now, do you go, well, hang on a minute. We love having this veteran who can give us that off the bench, that steady hand. Or do you say, maybe now we try to cash in and get another younger piece yeah. that's a little Sell long, high. Yeah, a little yeah. along our timeline. But I, I think, you know, and, and that's a situation there with Sexton. Yes, if they can trade him, sure. But the chemistry they've all got right now, they're not looking for a big shakeup. They're just looking for some of these, you know, a, a periphery piece that can help out and, and sort of complement the other players they've got. So it's a great situation the Cavs are in right now. They've got tradable assets. They're also playing really well. So they don't need to make a trade. But if the right one comes along, then I think uh, they've got a couple of things to throw at it. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting just watching them play. They look like they are enjoying each other's company. And I think that's a huge thing for the Cavs in the past where it's always been like last season, remember, they started off well. But then it was like, oh, no, nah, this is not we're, we're playing too well. Let's get rid of Andre Drummond. Let's change things up. And their season fell away. I think they've learned from that and they're like, let's not do that. Let's just keep trying to ride this wave because, you know, it can be quickly taken away from you. So fun team to watch, really playing well. And again, I think as Trey mentions there, pounding teams that you should pound is a sign of a good team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and get to, to get back to uh, Matthew's comment here in, in the stream team where he said, well, what do you, what's their ceiling? Win yeah. two games or three games? What we saw last year with the Phoenix Suns going from a non-playoff team to a finals team is just extremely rare in this yeah. league. It just doesn't happen very often. It, what really usually happens, I mean, the Hawks example is a good one, Skeets, where it, a team wins a couple games, gets to the playoffs, and then eventually wins a playoff series. And they got you know probably a little bit lucky with uh, the Sixers situation in the second round, but they took advantage of that and they went to the conference finals. There, yeah, there are steps in this league. You, you don't just go to be a yeah. championship team. And uh, also, Matthew's comment, an extra one here that he threw in. Haha, Cavs as good as the Sixers? Yes. Right now, I think the Cavs legitimately as good as the Philadelphia 76ers. They're, they're a solid basketball team. And Trey brings up a good point. They're not incredible against the, the great teams. Uh, because sometimes they're not, you know, great in the last couple minutes. Sometimes they they they're feeling it out, but uh, that's a good problem to have. I mean, <laughs> they're just getting better. So yeah, I think uh, making the playoffs, winning a series is is probably the peak. In in a dream world, winning a series is is great. But I don't care. I think they can play uh, with the Philadelphia 76ers, Yeah. All right, Trey. Who do you have for winner of the weekend? I got the Memphis Grizzlies. They won one game over the weekend. They beat the Rockets. Pretty easy win for Memphis. They trailed 1-0 and then led the entire way after that. Ended up being a seven-point victory. Got a little dicey at the end, but no problem for the Grizzlies. No John Moran, of course. No Jaron Jackson Jr., a late scratch. Steven Adams didn't play in the second half, but the Grizz had enough thanks to the double DBs of Dylan Brooks, 25 points, and Desmond Bain adding 19 some dude named Killian Tilly had 12 points and three threes. I was just getting used to John Conchar running around out there. Now there's Killian Tilly in the mix. Crazy stuff. But the real reason the Grizzlies are the winner this weekend is because this W came on Zach Randolph jersey retirement night, or as they were calling it, fitty for the city. Zebos <laughs> number 50 became the first retired number uh, in 
Grizzlies franchise history. And because it's Memphis, they gave him a platinum record plaque, which I thought was cool. And even yeah. his jersey banner is a platinum record, paying tribute uh, to the musical legacy down there in Memphis, the home of Stax Records, the home of Sun Records, and of course, the setting for 2005's Hustle and Flow, which means that Zach Randolph became the first NBA player to have his jersey retired while being serenaded with whoop that trick. <laughs> whoop that trick. <laughs> they're just screaming whoop that trick as they're unveiling his jersey. <laughs> Incredible stuff for the Grizzlies. But uh, Zach Randolph, eight seasons in Memphis, put up 16 and 10, one of the defining players of the grit and grind era, a super unique guy. I don't think we've seen another Zach Randolph since we've seen Zach Randolph. And the idea of him getting his jersey retired, it definitely makes sense to us now uh, in hindsight. But if you told anybody when Zach Randolph got to the Grizzlies after his time in Portland, and especially with the Knicks and the yeah. Lakers, that he was going to have his jersey retired, no chance they believe you. But this guy really turned the franchise around. Marcus and Mike Conley were already there when Zebo showed up after the 08-09 season. Just 24 wins for Conley and Gasol, because they were really young early in their career. Zebo shows up as a veteran, really legitimizes the team. They jet up to 40 wins in his first season, and the next year, 46 wins for Memphis. Their first playoff appearance since the Pau Gasol era, and most importantly, their first playoff series win. The eighth seed Grizzlies upsetting the one seed Spurs. I went back and watched some of these highlights. Zach Randolph, incredible in the game six closeout. 31 points, 11 rebounds, 17 in the fourth. And it's only on Zach Randolph shots. Dinkers and dumpers, like ridiculous fadeaway mid-range jumpers over Antonio McDice. San Antonio McDice, if you will. So <laughs> seemed like a fun night for the Grizzlies. They got the W on the court, got the W up in the Raptors. Um... Whoop that trick, guys. Yeah, Just uh, when in doubt, whoop that trick. Yeah, a little slip of the tongue there. I think you said Lakers. You obviously met the Clippers. He played for the— Ah, uh, the yeah, Clippers. Yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. had the L.A. team wrong there. But uh, yeah. I thought the exact same thing, Trey. That's what crossed my mind watching it. I was like, wow, what a crazy career. Mm. Like, just the totally. two halves of his career where he was putting up numbers in Portland, you know, the, the Jailblazers era and all that right at the end. And then, yeah, the Knicks where he had, like— you know, one of the worst whoopsies of all time. It was just made yes. fun of over and over and over again. Yeah, the little brief stint with the Clippers. But then, yeah, rejuvenated, and the city just fell in love with them, Tass. Uh, they're just, like, so linked, Zach Randolph, Zebo, and the city of Memphis. So I I was I was damn near in tears. <laughs> wow. Watching, seriously. I guess I was, in a, I was up in the cottage. It was Sunday morning. It was rainy. I was getting ready to leave, and I'm watching in bed because I didn't catch it the night of the uh, retirement. I'm watching the clips and the highlights. And I was like, wow, this is, this is cool. That, that was very happy for... Uh, Obviously, Zebo and, and for that for that franchise, I think he's a great first person too in that franchise to be sort yeah. of honored. So, it is amazing. I, I think that's where every Canadian man cries, goes up to the cabin yeah, or goes up to the so. cottage. <laughs> Things get a little emotional. Nature. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, maybe the tragically hip starts playing, <laughs> and you start watching Zach Randolph's retirement ceremony. It's uh, it's a wild story when he got to Memphis fourth team in four years, and then. I mean, this shows why you go for it. If sometimes things just come together, uh, I know that this team, you know, wasn't wasn't all the way there to win a championship. It wasn't close, uh, but they got to a conference finals, and you remember this team because of everything that sort of came together. 
it is a, it is wild and uh yeah hearing whoop that trick uh was uh it's a little emotional i, I i'm with you skeets i'm also a little emotional that <laughs> it's a touching rapper... song touching well, uh, in all honesty i'm not talking about the dinkers and the dumpers and the jump shots he's hitting that's making me cry no. in a grizzly Marcus before... soul got on a there's plane all, there's all these clips <laughs> of other players of course talking about him but then there's a million clips of him out in the community like and there's i forget who says it somebody's like I thought my dad was like the realest person in the world or something like that. It's like, but it might be Zach Randolph. Like, just how we can... uh, again, I'm drawing a blank on who said that. Maybe somebody in the stream team and like the video is like, holy crap, what a compliment. Uh, and like, you know, patched with all these like, just he just seems like, like such a lovable guy. And, uh, you know, he did seem to have like a word for everyone he ever met, be it like the, the, the millionaire owner, a guy that owns this business or like, you know, just a, a uh, just a kid that's at one of these events. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, and, and uh, I, I'm not sure if I want to cry tears of joy or, or tears of pain when I think that the Vancouver Grizzlies, the original Memphis Grizzlies, came into the league the same year as the Toronto Raptors, and they're retiring a number before the Toronto Raptors. Kind of surprising to me when you when you think about the, yeah. the the run that they went down to Memphis, and yeah, the Pau Gasol era, as as Trey said, you know, the Hubie Brown era. It's a it's a wild long run to get to the grit and grind. And to have one conference finals, and then the John Hollinger era, as everybody calls it, with him in the front <laughs> office. Uh, but uh, they—it's uh, just—it's just an incredible story, an incredible team that we will always remember. And I remember you know, when they were up two-one against the Golden State Warriors in that 2015 playoffs, when the Warriors won their first title. It was the second round. Uh, and I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again. They're up to one. And it felt like the entire league was wide open at that point because the Warriors hadn't won a championship. This was their first one. And I remember Ernie Johnson coming into the, to the clubhouse there this, where the starters were doing their work. We didn't have an office. We just kind of hung out. And so it was called the clubhouse. And Ernie Johnson came in and said, who's going to win the title? And we all said, nobody knew. Uh, yeah, and and it just felt like the Grizzlies had a, a shot there, and then the Warriors figured out the grit and grind when they were, you know, grinding all over Steph there on the perimeter, and Steph kind of found himself and and figured it out. Uh, but that was, I don't know, those couple of years, and they got to the conference finals. Like the league was wide open, and and they they went for it, and that was uh, that was a fun little era there. And uh, yeah, it's nice. It was it was very nice. And uh, Zach Randolph always. Oh, gave us one of uh, his great quotes. If you if you remember the starters days, we asked him what Olympic sport he would like to partake in. He said, "Ooh, I like to be uh, doing them skins, <laughs> doing them line. skins." <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, answer, Lee, Lee, anything to add to Zebo and the retirement there and, and the, what they did in Memphis? Yeah, he, he's a big lovable teddy bear, really, wasn't he, Zebo? Because yep. he used to like to bang. But sometimes when things would get a bit physical and there would a foul be called and maybe there's some tension between him and his opponent, he'd just put out his big hands and give you a big hug and he'd just like, you know, break the tension right there. And that was the thing about it. I wanted to get one of those big hugs off Zebo because he always had a big smile on his face. And when you think about his game, you know, especially there in Memphis, you know, he was slow, or you know, almost like Kyle Anderson there. He was slow, but he could get to his point. And he had that little mid-range jumper that you like. Everyone can see it coming. He's not out jumping his opponents. He's not long like Kevin Durant, but he had an ability to just get that shot off over defenders mm-hmm. and knock it in. And it was uh, incredibly consistent. So, yeah, very happy to see him there. And when Marcus Ol turned up, that's when I got a bit teary skeets. I'm like, oh, they're bringing back the whole band, you know? I'm telling you, man. <laughs> yeah. Go watch this clip. And if you yeah. don't get a little tear in your eye, you're not human, yeah. man. You're yeah, get uh, Lionel. 
Connor okay. Holland's there, and uh, and uh, well, Conley, I guess, couldn't make it. He had something to do. But yeah, if all those guys got back together, it'd be hard to not get a little bit of a uh, you know a bit dusty in the room, if you like. And now, uh, <laughs> I think I think the Grizzlies. Correct me if I'm wrong. Tony Allen is also getting the. Uh, yeah, the, the jersey retirement later this season. So that's, I believe uh, that's something true, to look yes. forward to. I can't yeah. wait to cry again when when uh, the grindfather himself yeah. is uh, going up in the round. So Trey, do you think they're going to stick with the record like sort of motif? I guess in 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 place of a jersey, right? I think they would. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I thought it was uh, a really different sort of spin on things. It looks like a platinum record spin. plaque. Nice. Yeah. Oh, wow, man. <laughs> Bars. <laughs> Get me on a Whoop That Trick remix, please. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was cool. I, w- I definitely wasn't expecting it. You know, they gave him the plaque first, and then they unveiled uh, the banner hang. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Something different. It's usually just the jersey. Remember when uh, the Lakers put shacks up there and it was backwards? And made it look like the front of his jersey was supposed to be the back. This is better than that. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if there's any other um, any other banners that are hanging that are similar to this, where it kind of like right. plays on a theme from the city. I know the Bulls' retired numbers are not like this. The Lakers obviously aren't like this. So, yeah, pretty cool. Yep. Uh, Lee, what do you got for a winner of the weekend? Well, the team uh, that is just quietly going about its business, the Utah Jazz, only had one game over the weekend, Saturday night in Washington. But I'm bringing them up because it wrapped up a very impressive four-game road streak. The last three wins came by a combined 79 points. They've won seven in a row, still only third in the West. Obviously, the Suns and the uh, Warriors have been great so far to start the season. But the Jazz, you know, they're just doing their stuff in the regular season here, murdering their opponents at both ends. They have the best offensive rating in the league, only sixth in defense. But, you know, I believe a part of that is because they're winning games pretty comfortably. So there's a lot of sort of extra garbage time points, which is sort of, you know, just uh, making it look a little worse than it is. Because during the game, you know, the Jazz just... What they do at one end, they prevent the other team doing at the other end. And some of their stats, like fast break points, points in the paint, points off turnovers, the Jazz are only middle of the pack. But the reason I bring that up is just to show how hard it is to scout against the team. They don't have that, you know, one major strength that you can game plan against to slow them down. The Jazz just wear you down by playing the way that they play. They have tons of weapons, lots of different ways to score, great bench, defend really well. So finding their weakness is pretty difficult right now. And Hassan Whiteside, again, coming off the bench, another double-double in this game. Like, if you're getting that sort of production out of Hassan Whiteside, that is found money for me because, obviously, Rudy's fantastic, but to get a a secondary backup, a guy who can go out there and just play that role in those minutes is incredibly fortuitous, uh, I think, for the Jazz to get that out of uh, Whiteside, a guy who has had effort issues throughout his career. So they're just playing really well. And now they've got a big home streak as well, where they could, this seven game win streak could easily be in the teens here. Uh, They've got a lot of winnable games. They're healthy. They're the one team that seems to have avoided any real coronavirus or COVID protocols right now. They don't seem to have any weaknesses. And they've, you know, we've seen this before from them, of course, in the regular season. I know we, we talk players of them, but it's still very impressive that they just go out there and dominate their opponents pretty much from start to finish. They've been certainly doing that recently. And so uh, they deserve some love, even though we tend to overlook them a lot. Yep, it's great. I'm glad you slipped them in there for a winner of the weekend. Uh, definitely. What, what's your prediction? How many games are going to win in a row here? Uh, there, yeah, I mean, so what? what's 18 is the record from the Suns. It, it's, it's like, if you look at that schedule, they have... They could win all of them. They could be up to 14 or 15. But just because it's the NBA, I think it gets to like about 13 and then... Someone right. sneaks up and gets the victory. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're uh, looking very, very good right now. 
Uh, final winner of the weekend before we take our first break and get to the losers. The 76ers, Matisse Thybul, and maybe Knicks fans? Huh? I'm going to all lump together for winner of the weekend. Here's why. Saturday, Embiid had 26-9. Uh, 76ers, they delayed Steph Curry's bid to break Ray Allen's career three-point three record in the 102-93 victory over the Warriors. Really, really nice win from Philly here. And Curry was, like, kept in check, you know, shut down, people are throwing out there, by about 35, 36 minutes by Matisse Thibel, who made just his sixth start of the season, but he did a great job defensively, as well as you can, Kerr said. He said, that's as good a job on Steph as anybody I've seen in a long time. So high praise there from Kerr. Um, and we know that he's a great defensive player, Thibel is. Curry, 6 of 20 from the floor, 3 of 14 from three-point range. Thibel, the first player to block multiple three-point <laughs> attempts by Curry in a single game in his NBA career. Yeah, the guy, that's how long that guy is. So, good victory from the Sixers. Great job from Thibel, you know, getting some praise there over the weekend in containing Curry and keeping him from breaking Ray Allen's record. And then I say Knicks fans because he hasn't done it yet, Curry. He play, The Warriors play tonight in Indiana. Now, I don't know if we've had breaking news throughout this show here, but he's still up in the air whether or not Steph Curry's going to play in this game. They might rest him uh you know just give him a break here and then if that's the case even if he does play he still needs seven to surpass right now i mean it's curry so we make that seem like it's nothing it's a decent amount the next game would be msg on tuesday night tasks uh and there whether he plays tonight or not a uh, pretty good chance Steph Curry could uh, actually set the record in MSG, which would be great for the for the Knicks fans who are uh, <laughs> unfortunately getting some losses here. But wow, what a show that would be! Yeah, it was it was strange to hear uh, Steph go up to the podium after that loss to the Sixers and, and start discussing whether or not he was going to rest. I mean, he was asked about it, so he had to sort of answer, and, and he kind of said. You know, we will uh, do what is appropriate. And so he left that door open, right? Yeah. And we actually have a fan. Uh, his name is uh, John Ledden. He emailed in and said, I live by Indiana. I used to be a season ticket holder. Guys come through here and sit all the time. I could drive there on Monday night. I have the possibility of going to the game. And I know that as soon as I get in the car, they're going to say, uh, Steph's not playing tonight. And this possibility, it sure, it sure felt like he was leaving the door open to play Tuesday night, right? I don't know if I was reading into those comments, but I don't know if he wants to do it at MSG, but it, there's definitely, a, I feel like he's sitting. I feel like he's sitting tonight. What, what Steve think, Kerr Chris? said he expects everybody to play Monday at Indiana per Mark Stein yesterday. And honestly, he should play in Indiana. It's the one sure. time the Warriors go there. And, yeah. you know, that's kind of the ask from the league is that if you're going to rest, rest at home. I mean, it's Larry Bird could be around. Reggie Miller, a f legendary pacer. Ray Allen, maybe he'll fly in. I'm just impressed that anybody cares about the three-point record. That's how impressive Steph Curry is. <laughs> Nobody cared when Ray Allen broke Reggie Miller's record, but this has been a story for a week now. It was yeah. not a week-long story. It wasn't as big as this. For no. Ray Allen. Now, no. But now we're like, we gotta fly everybody in. Everybody's gotta see this. Should he do it in Madison Square Garden? A lot of thought is going into this. Just go out and play, man. That's the thing. I think it's in his head. He's trying to get oh, the yeah. record every single night he's out there. We're like, you got to make 16 in the game. Let's see it. Just go play, and you'll easily hit seven if you play in the flow of things. Yeah, he's had some rough shooting nights here lately, and, and you have to think maybe like this chasing of the record here is having some effect. Oh. I mean, again, I want to give credit to Thibel and yeah. Sixers' defense and how they played him, but he was just missing shots that he also hits. So does he play tonight? Maybe that's the best-case scenario. He plays in Indiana. Pacers fans get to see him the one time they come through, and he only hits... I don't know, 
four, five, something like that, and then plays an MSG, which would be on TNT, I believe. I, I'm guessing the Knicks-Warriors game is one of their uh, headliners there on Tuesday night. Somebody can fact-check me if you want. Uh, and then he could possibly break it there. Then it's then it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, I, I think, of course, Steph could hit seven if he needed them in Madison Square Garden. But I think he Yes, wants it's to, on TNT. I, Thank you. I, I think he wants to... He should take a little bit of the pressure off himself and just get out there and however many he hits tonight, so then he's only got to hit maybe two or three in Madison Square Garden. There's no question it was a distraction on Saturday night because every time he touched the ball, it was like, is he going to shoot? He hit two that didn't count, highlights that weren't, in fact, and two of them were were great bombs as well. And then the three that he did hit, certainly the first two were tough. He was just... Because everyone was just so focused on him out there at the three-point line. And the Sixers winning that game, I think... It certainly was impacted by the fact that there was so much attention being put on this record here from Steph. So, yeah, if I'm the Warriors, I'm just like, just play tonight, man. Just play. We don't need way more attention going into tomorrow night. Hopefully, potentially, he only needs one or two, and he can do that in the first quarter, and then the record's uh, done, and then they can move on. But, yeah, the thing is, Steph's probably going to be a 1,000 clear by the time he retires, (laughs) uh, certainly of Ray Allen. I mean, Clay Thompson and Harden and those guys will be closer to him. But it's one of those weird things. It's like this record, there's going to be so much distance between Ray Allen and Steph Curry when Steph eventually retires that uh, Ray Allen could be like 25th on the all-time makes by the time uh, it's all (laughs) It really could be. I mean, Kyle Korver, I think, is still fourth right now, which is like, wow. You know, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's a silly little distraction. And uh, and the fact that Warriors lost the game, I think, was a big part of that. Yep. All right, we're going to take our first break. Uh, when we come back, we will get into losers of the NBA weekend. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I just love to picture, like, the Helix boardroom, mm-hmm. you know, sitting around the table saying, all right, <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's see. Let's go through some of the ad reads we got. Uh, let's fire them up. Let's see how they're selling our mattresses. And, and then, you know, I assume they're going to be talking about the, uh, the feel of the mattress, uh, how amazing it is to uh, get it delivered, how easy it is to return it if you don't want it. And then they play your clip. And here's Tass talking about the odor and how much he enjoys it. <laughs> They must yeah. be like, wow, we didn't think of that angle that uh, would be into the smell of our mattresses. But this guy seems to really like it. 
Yeah, I hope they're listening because this is a great idea from the Dream Shake. They need to make a candle of this. <laughs> New mattress New odor. mattress. <laughs> well done, Dream On the Dream back, you can, put, uh, you can put Lee's blurb. I would love to take my Helix Sleep mattress with me the next time I'm on a beach vacation. <laughs> what? Yeah, <laughs> Just pack this know. up right quick. <laughs> well, you know, I mean... Um, yeah, I guess you, I think well, you, you can't really re-roll it and, and then put it as the uh, yeah, tough, you know, tough. Yeah. but uh, well, it's been rolled before. I know, but yeah. once it's it out, can, once it's you like got a vacuum seal, I mean, yeah, 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 but you've got to you, you need a vacuum compress it as well. Yeah, you know, but uh, but they have those those machines at the airport. You know, yeah, but plastic it's, wrap it. It's once you unroll it though and unfurl it, it's just hard to get it. I know. Yeah, no, I know. But again, I love the concept. You showing up at the hotel, them seeing you bringing your own mattress. They must go like, "Wow, this guy must have back problems. He takes this really seriously." And then they find out you brought it because you like the smell of it. <laughs> <laughs> and the comfort the smell. Well, and the comfort second smell for Yeah. Uh, Anyways, yeah, okay. I was I was imagining the uh, the execs as well as I was reading that skit. So I was yeah. thinking. They're going to like this. But, you know, if you look at the whole gauntlet of our ad reads, there's no way they can be disappointed. No! Every sense is taking care of... Oh, yes, it's comfortable, but it also... Smells like a freaking mattress candle. That doesn't exist. I, I, that should exist. <laughs> All right. A mattress candle. I am going to look it up just to see what we can find. No way. There's no such thing. What do you got? No, you got something there. Don't nah, you? No, 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 nothing okay. interesting. Nothing interesting. <laughs> it's funny. Some of the results are funny. Some of the results are funny. Feel free okay, to Google great. it. Okay, <laughs> we will. Uh, losers of the NBA weekend. Lee, uh, have at it. You're up first. Oh, I, I hate using oh. the term loser for this wow. one, uh, but I'm going with the Zion Williamson situation there in, in New Orleans because he hasn't played at all yet so far this season, and now he's suffered a setback to the recovery from a foot injury that we only just found out about prior to the season, so much so that he's had to basically tone down his rehab work to allow the bone to heal, and there's no timetable for his return which to me we're about what 30 games into the season so we're approaching the halfway mark I I think listen I'm probably playing a little bit of internet doctor here but I'll be surprised if we see him return at all this season because you know he's obviously out for significantly more weeks he's going to have to then come back and rehab and there's been some footage of him this season where he's obviously gotten a little bit bigger and I'm not going to try to shame him in any way because if his foot's hurt, he can't really get out there and do that cardio uh, that he would need to do to sort of get into great shape. But there's also now the long-term decision that the Pelicans have to look at here and you know he'll be eligible for his rookie extension this summer and if you're the Pelicans, you know I think they're not going to trade him so we can take that off the table. They're certainly not going to trade him yet but it's either... You give him an extension now, and and you can do it like the Sixers did with Embiid, where there's a lot of injury protections in that contract so that if he's unable to sort of play, they're they're covered. Or you basically just let's see what happens at the end of next season when he'll still be a restricted free agent and they can obviously then match any offer that he's given. And I think if you look at what happened to Michael Porter Jr. in Denver, I think that's probably more where the Pelicans are going to go. They're like, there's no need to extend him 
this summer because uh, let's just wait and see what happens. He, he may not even get out on the court this season, and then who knows what's going to happen next season. But overall, it's just so deflating, this news, because he's already missed. Andrew Lopez reported this from ESPN that he's already missed more games than he's been eligible to play in his career so far. And the the fact that he's dealing with this and he's not been able to recover, it's just, it's just devastating to sort of know this guy who was a, an absolute lock as a number one pick a few years ago, um, his career kind of hasn't really gotten started yet. So that's really disappointing. And for the Pelicans, the season's gone anyway. It doesn't matter if he comes back. Their season's a wash at this point. But it's just more disappointing that uh, that he's dealing with this. And um, I hope this is something that he can overcome, like Joel Embiid, who missed basically his first Two three. Seasons. Well, the first three, well, yeah. really. I mean, he yeah. only played 31, half, yeah, yeah. 31 games in that third season there. But if you look at Embiid, he has been able to overcome that. And he has been an MVP candidate and he has kind of delivered for the most part for the Sixers. So I hope that it's that and it's not the other way. There's obviously comparisons out there to to Greg Oden. I hope that's not the case for Zion. I hope he can uh, get back. But uh, just another blow for uh, the New Orleans Pelicans and a team that just can't afford that right now. Yeah, Tass, what do you think when you saw the Zion setback news here this weekend? Yeah, it's hard not to play doctor from your seat here, but I would just assume that he sits the the rest of the season and tries to get back like Embiid did. Obviously, it's different because Embiid came into the league and sat for two years, and uh, that that was a story in of itself. But now uh, Zion, yeah, having come and played and had such a great year last year, I think it's been overshadowed how freaking great he was dropping 27 points per game at 60 percent of efficiency and now this is just overtaking the headlines it's understandable um so i i assume he will not play because it's it's hard to see him in a situation where he ramps up in march or, or whatever late in the season where the pelicans yeah, are probably out of the playoff picture by then and considering they already are and try and get back into it Feels like it's more of a situation where Zion needs to take the season off. But uh, yes, just completely deflating. And what are you doing if you're the Pelicans front office, Trey, in terms of extension, not waiting till restricted free agency? And what impact does this have on possibly other moves that you might make this season if Zion is out for the rest of the year? Well, I mean, I think surely he will get every single dollar and every single year that he can. And I think the Pelicans have to do that because you have the potential of Zion Williamson there and you're still going to take that over losing him for nothing, theoretically, down the line. But, man, you really got to be hoping this is an Embiid situation and not a Greg Oden situation, right? Huge guys with leg problems, that can be a problem. As we've seen with Embiid, he's turned his career around and obviously that did not happen. Uh, with Greg Oden. Uh, As for the Pelicans, I'm kind of with you guys. I think he will probably sit this entire season and they will go the Embiid route. They're one of the worst teams in the league right now. Bottom of the Western Conference, though there are some worse Eastern Conference teams, but at the very least, they're going to have a pretty high draft pick once again. I guess that was the silver lining of Embiid sitting all those seasons for the Sixers is that they were bad enough that they still got to draft high in the lottery. So... I don't know. Maybe you're looking at Zion and Chet Holmgren, two of the most different shaped people <laughs> on earth as your front court next season. That would be good if they can both stay on the court. But um, it's a lost year for the Pelicans. Another lost year for Zion. A super bummer. I love watching this guy when he's on the court. Just hard to see him on the court a lot these days. On Friday, we got reports that Philadelphia's trade 
conversations on Ben Simmons were gathering momentum, right? You know, more teams were engaged and there were possibly more too and three-way deal structures going on with the 76ers to try and land a top 25 player. And I bring that up when we're talking about Zion here and moves that they could make moving forward. Not Zion related, but is Brandon Ingram interesting at all to the Philadelphia 76ers tasks? Like, is there an Ingram for Simmons type of deal? Is he in the top 25? Is he just on the outside of that? More, you know, top 35, top 40? And and does he even sort of fit? Does it make any sense uh, for the 76ers side of things? Like, would that be a player that Maury could be interested in? Interesting one. I think he would fit. I, I understand they've got, you know, bigger wings and it'd be nice to have a ball handler there. But Brandon Ingram is uh, an incredible scorer and he's been an all-star for a reason and he's been doing it, you know, while he's been on the floor this year, he's had some great games. Now, Shams reported today in the inside pass, the Sixers, are, yeah, as you said, gaining momentum. It's gaining even more momentum over the weekend. Skeets, Shams uh, naming some teams that have been interested in Simmons. No sign of the Pelicans, though. No. Knicks, Lakers, Timberwolves, Blazers, Kings, Pacers, and Cavaliers. Cavaliers? What? I uh, didn't see that coming, but uh, no no real sense of how much traction each team has there. But those are the teams I would think that Ingram could come in uh, and score. But I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I think, I think he could fit in as like a Jimmy Butler role. I, I think he could. I, I do uh, love Brandon Ingram. If you look at the points, you look at the efficiency. He just needs somebody to take the pressure off him. I think it would fit really, really well. It's just, uh, I don't know. I, don't, I, I think that wouldn't please Zion Williamson. If you if you trade Brandon Ingram, uh, he's you know wanted to have a, a team grow and be great. I think the route for me is uh, you know, David Griffin and the Pelicans probably tell Zion, let's do the Embiid thing, sit down. But we also have to do the Embiid thing where we put something in your next contract, some provisions that if you're injured, we don't have to pay you every single dollar. And that's uh, you know doesn't really happen a lot in the league, but it did happen with Joel Embiid about about his lower extremities, and that could happen with Zion. Lock this in. We'll be doing an emergency podcast uh, as we lead up to the Christmas break here <laughs> at some point. It'll probably happen once we sort of like take off some time for the holidays and then we'll get this big deal. The reason all this stuff is like ramping up momentum, we said it a million times, December 15th, 84% of NBA players are trade eligible starting that day, which is in what, a couple days? It's on Wednesday mm-hmm. uh, of this week because that's the first day most free agents who signed a contract in the offseason can be traded. So there's just more pieces to uh, throw into the trade machine, Lee. But yeah, maybe we're getting close to a, to a Simmons deal. With When you got Woj and you got Lowe and Shams all saying this, yeah, I don't know, you, you hope we're uh, somewhat close to a Ben Simmons resolution. Yeah, talk's ramping up. That's a very ah, broad... On, yeah, no, that's like, I mean, Daryl Morey, again, you know, in the blaze, he said, give us CJ McCollum and six first round picks. Is that talks ramping up? That to me is just like, I'm not trading him unless you just want to go completely crazy here and give us everything. So I don't, we'll see. We'll see. There will ramping be some up. movement. There will be some wow. movement. But uh, yeah. I, don't, I, I was don't know surprised that... to see um, Shams mentioned uh, the G League showcase is coming up. Apparently, that is the NBA equivalent of the baseball winter meetings because right. all of these teams are there watching their prospects, so everybody's able to chat and get stuff done. So I think that's uh, the 19th through the 22nd or something like that, Skeets. So uh, okay. December 23rd, you want to pencil in an emergency mm-hmm. podcast well, here? I mean, I sort of do because... 
Uh, I know Lee is leaving for Canada around that time. Trey, I know you're leaving, obviously, to go up to the Chicago area for the holidays. So, yeah, as soon as you guys leave, (laughs) JD at some point is leaving. Like, yes, the emergency will happen at the worst possible time. That's just Murphy's Law. You want me to get my dad on the podcast? If I'm at Steve's house, Steve, you want to talk? You want to talk about uh, some trades, Steve? Uh, Well, if the Bucks are involved in any deals, we need to get Dwayne on. (laughs) Okay. Okay. That should be. I would love to hear him say Dante DiVincenzo. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think he could? (laughs) Uh, Dante, Dante, Dante D. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's keep it going. Uh, Zion, unfortunately, a loser of the NBA weekend, or the Pelicans, I guess. Trey, who do you have? Well, the Timberwolves snapped a five-game losing streak last night with a win against the Blazers, but I still got them as a loser of the weekend because they had a five-game losing streak and the loss on Friday was disgusting. Minnesota was coming off that 32-point loss against the Jazz where Anthony Edwards and Patrick Beverly trash-talked the Jazz after losing by 32 points. (laughs) Complete nonsense. (laughs) They backed up all that smack talk by getting absolutely smoked by the Cavs on Friday, like Tass mentioned earlier. Minnesota trailed the entire game. They were down by 33 at the worst point in this one. Ended up losing 123-106, to which capped off a week of three straight home blowouts. They were down 21 in a loss Monday to the Hawks, 32 Wednesday in that game against the Jazz, then 33, like I said, against the Cavs. Tass mentioned all the lobs for the Cavs in that game on Friday, 11 dunks for Cleveland. The biggest cheers from the fans were when Taco Fall put Jake Lehman in the basket, and Taco Fall plays for the Cavs. The Timberwolves got booed off the court by their fans, understandably, post-game. Cat was in I don't even want to be around anymore mode. (laughs) He looked so dejected in his press conference. He said, I've lost for a long time here. Not trying to fucking lose anymore. It's pretty as simple as that. Food don't taste good. Life don't feel the same. Feels bad, man. Here's a few silver linings for you, though. D'Angelo Russell came back against the Blazers last night, got the win. Minnesota 12 and 10 when D'Angelo Russell is on the court. He's surprisingly important for their defense, which I did not think was a thing. 0 and 5 without D'Angelo Russell. And earlier this season, Minnesota lost eight of nine games and followed that with a five game winning streak. So you look at the schedule, they got the Nuggets who are shorthanded, the Lakers who have been really up and down, and then the Mavericks twice on the schedule. So this could be the start of something. And most importantly, they're somehow still ninth in the Western Conference because the West suddenly sucks. Like, the Timberwolves, I got them as a loser of the weekend. At least they did better than the Kings did. So the postseason's still a possibility for Minnesota here. But as John Krasinski said over at The Athletic, which you can subscribe, theathletic.com slash nodunks, they're going to have to make a trade. They need another big guy out there. That's why you see him in the mix for Miles Turner. Ben Simmons has been a possibility for basically this entire season, but... I don't know. They need somebody out there besides Carl Anthony Towns, who's over six foot eight. That's basically what it comes down to. Somebody else who can maybe try and play defense a little bit. Tess, who do you have on your loser of the weekend list? Well, this one's a, a weird one. Uh, the Indiana Pacers for me. Uh, I, I'm squeezing this one in here because they're not a loser of the weekend in terms of the way they play basketball. Um, but it looked like It was going that way after some comments uh, from President of Basketball Operations, Kevin Pritchard. And then we had some Twitter drama. Ooh, Mm -hmm. I know we like some Twitter drama. So the Pacers have been doing fine. After the Athletic reported, uh, the Pacers put three of their big names 
on the block, Miles Turner, Domato Sabonis, and Karis LeVert. Mm-hmm. They've won three in a row. Uh, specifically, Domas Sabonis. Ballin' uh, last six games, 21, 14, and six assists while shooting 70%. It's like uh, his numbers from last year when he was an all-star. He, he's, he's bumped it up. Uh, but uh, after, you know, the, the Athletic reported that this is what's happening. They've got everybody on, on the block. Uh, there's a follow-up interview uh, with, uh, about Miles Turner and, and, and specifically about him. That's when Pacers president Kevin Pritchard said, at some point in time, we've got to figure out how to manufacture that real star. That's when Indie Star reporter asks Sabonis about those comments specifically. Hey, what do you think about Pritchard saying he needs a star? Sabonis said, quote, well, I don't know what to say to that. Got him. Uh, the the Indie Star reporter just, you know, he took that, took that little quote there and said, hey, you're an all-star. How do you feel about your GM saying that? <laughs> and you know that that's a juicy, a juicy little Twitter nugget. So it, it started uh, bouncing around Twitter. Uh, our friend, uh, longtime Pacers blogger, well, Jared Wade, you know, he, he chimed in um, because everybody's uh, chiming in about this Pacers situation. Uh, he said, quote, about Demonte Sabonis, his boss said he wasn't a real star at the same time my guy was shooting 70% for two weeks. Okay, so here is the interesting part. Kevin Pritchard, president of basketball operations of the Pacers, replied to Jared Wade's Whoa, comment. Wow, okay. He said, here you go, here we go. Although I don't respond much, I thought I would give my two cents. First of all, I believe in all of our players and hold them to the highest of order. In all honesty, I believe we have multiple, quotations, stars on our team, but we all know we need more. We have challenged our players to be better. The point specifically was so we can close games at higher levels, and if we do, our record will reflect it. Could I have used a better word than stars? Probably. When you get interviewed for hours, you're probably going to slip up. I speak with our players every day, and I felt bad for using that word. An appropriate apology was sent. No one believes more in this team. So, Pritchard, you know, getting out there, being transparent about what he said. And it just shows you that in these interviews, that yeah, you say one thing, and then one reporter takes it to the player and says, hey, do you, do you, yeah, comment on this. And it becomes a, this big story. And, and I think it was just strictly just a... Just a word that he used. Yeah, he thinks, Pritchard thinks that the Pacers should be better. That's understandable. They should be better. They have been, you know, sort of middle of the road. And uh, I just wanted to, you know, jump into that because once you have a, you have an executive come on Twitter and comment like that, you just, you got to report on it, obviously. Uh, So yeah, they they are, they are playing better, but what is their ceiling? And and this isn't, uh, you know, an up and coming team. This is what they've been for several years now so they're 12 and 16 after winning uh, a few games but their situation remains exactly the same uh, no matter what so i just want to slip that pacer story in there their their mor their middle of the road couple months here we'll see what's up <laughs> i wish uh, pritchard said this jason fire 34 in the stream team i mean simotis is a great player but he's not a star in the way that can be the number one on a top team so i don't see a problem with what he said uh yeah it's true might be some truth to that he is a really really talented player he is an all-star as he's proven these numbers speak for themselves but lee is he a number one guy that every franchise is looking for you know a a closer a guy that can control a game i don't know i I mean i don't think he is i don't think that's a 
a reach to say he isn't. But there's many guys that like are all-star level guys that are not the number one yeah. on, on a franchise. Yeah, yeah. I, and I don't think he is either. I think he's one of those guys you would love to have as a second or third yeah. best player on your team. But if he is your best player, then I don't think you're sort of a, a serious contender. And again, that's no disrespect to him. I think he's a fantastically consistent player. He's tough. He's smart. He can pass the ball. He can hit the three. But he's just not a sort of drag a team past any other team in the playoff type of guy by himself. He's just not that good. So I, I don't think uh, what Pritchard said was completely out of place. I mean, if Pritchard does trade him in the next couple of weeks, then that tweet that he had to Jared Way was kind of <laughs> wasn't it, really? I mean, yeah. because four tweets. Yeah, four yeah. tweets. And to say no one believes in this team more, it's like, well, I, again, I don't think that's being true. But I also don't think Pritchard's wrong to sort of say, listen, we sort of look at this team, middle of the pack, we aren't really where we want to be in terms of if you look at Brooklyn and Milwaukee and, you know, Chicago, whoever you want to throw in that, they're not in that bracket. They're, uh, uh, you know, potentially they could win a first round because anyone could. We saw the Hawks do that. But that's about it for the Pacers. So, you know, Pritchard doesn't doesn't sort of need to defend himself. But I understand as well he can't sort of be seen to be trashing his own players like that, especially if he is potentially going to, going to trade one or two of the bigger players in the next couple of weeks here. Mm-hmm. I don't know why this made me laugh. Ziggy, just throwing up an Apple Pritchard. Is that supposed to be like Orchard? I I guess so. I think it may have to do with the way sort of Lee pronounces his last name too. uh, Pritchard, yeah. 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 I mean, it's, 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 it's a tough thing because you want to be honest. But then you also, you know, want to, you don't want it to be so you can't go into the locker room with your own players. But but look, yeah, uh, as I say, the the pace. Yeah, is- but I mean, do you think that Demontis Sabonis follows both Kevin Pritchard and Jared Wade on Twitter? Because that's the only way he's seeing this response. Tell it to a newspaper. Mm. Tell it to the uh, athletic. He, well, I mean, Kevin says he. I guess he gave them Kevin. an apology. He either went and talked to them. Uh, in person or he sent him an email or something. I don't know. Don't uh, protest too much, Kevin. Mm, he put yeah. it on the do you like a, uh Taz, do you like your mattress pritch hard or pritch soft? <laughs> Ask Sam Hunter. I like it pritch perfectly. <laughs> I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Although, uh, I will say Kevin Pritchard, Pritchard, however you prefer. I say Pritchard. Uh, <laughs> Sam. Uh, I, I'm a, I like to be a starting Pritchard and a, and a relief Pritchard. Relief Pritchards are coming into the game like crazy these days. Uh, but, but he, Kevin Pritchard, says that he is a starting Pritchard. By starting Pritchard, I mean that he comes out and he's transparent with his guys mm. beforehand. We've read in, these, in, in a bunch of these articles on The Athletic that he says to guys if they are in rumors that right. he's the one who tells them that they're in rumors. They don't hear it firsthand. So... Uh, if if he's saying to Sabonis, "Hey, uh, you know, I didn't mean it that way," maybe he's being truthful about that, and he's being truthful uh, about coming out and telling these guys that they're just—they're uh, not being bandied about, um, unless I tell you to. So maybe that's a good way to run a front office. So I don't know. Just uh, just one more comment here. Uh, you're telling me Lee doesn't watch Survivor <laughs> when he's pronouncing uh Pritchard like Ricard <laughs> hey we got Zars we got Zar now we got the Chard there we go uh okay a couple other a couple other losers of the weekend some mini ones uh JD I know you got the clip here KCP Contavious Caldwell Pope uh whoopsie of the year candidate there on oh, yeah. Saturday night he attacked Ingles so baseline took off from inside the paint and he slammed the ball on the right side of the backboard 
yeah, this is so weird. Just gets blocked by the backboard. Um, also, he had a rough game on Saturday night. The Wizards got hammered in the loss. He shot 0 for 5. He had a floater go over the backboard in the first half. I don't know if you saw that one, too. Same game. Like, comical miss. <laughs> this one's getting all the headlines. This is like, again, uh, this will be on the Shackton highlight reel. This would be a whoopsie of the year. Possibly winner task. That would be on the nominees list, right? I've never seen that before. That's... Has anyone seen that before? Not so oh, like, yeah, like, no, yeah. Like he has a clear path. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it's not he, like, like yeah. he blows by Ingles. It's not that congested in there. Yeah, he just sort of like Whiteside doesn't even jump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, oh, crazy. Wow. The guy and also at one block. point, um, <laughs> one season he had like a wide open layup wedgie, right? Like he grabbed a board and oh, just yeah. had a wedgie right underneath. So KCP, that guy can. Uh, Put together a serious whoopsie highlight reel at the end yeah. of his career. What a miss. Um, <laughs> in other injury news here, uh, Pistons forward Jeremy Grant suffered torn ligaments in his right thumb. He's out indefinitely. Uh, we're waiting to see, I think, if he's getting surgery. If he elects to do that route, he'll probably be out until late January, early February. This guy's a 20-point-per-game scorer for the Pistons, who are now 4-22 and and have lost 12 straight. So that sucks. I mean, really doesn't matter because they're not getting into the play-in. Uh, they want to give Cade Cunningham all the opportunity he can to grow and a lot of their younger guys. Cade Cunningham's playing really well over the last five games or so. He's uh, putting up some numbers, actually, and maybe we'll make this uh, a little more interesting, this rookie of the year race, uh, like we sort of predicted uh, a couple weeks ago to sort of push, you know, Mobley and maybe Scotty Barnes, but that still sucks for Jeremy Grant lately. Um, so just uh, to get it into today's show, we'll throw him, unfortunately, under the losers there because that sucks. Yeah, it does. Uh, I mean, the Pistons, obviously, this season is a bit of a lost season for them, but uh, Jeremy Grant... He's good, <laughs> but so I don't. I don't know if it really changes a whole lot though, as far as how many wins and losses. But uh, Kate Cunningham, yeah, putting it together a nice little pack. I just wonder though, considering the class out there, has he got enough uh, to really overtake some of those other guys or leaders? But uh, yeah. if you're the Pistons, you're pretty happy with what you're seeing from him so far. Yeah, and then final one here. I mean, the NBA versus COVID nineteen for a loser of the weekend. This is getting out of control. Uh, not that it already wasn't, but. Much like last year, it's having an impact on this current NBA season. We got a number of players from across the league being forced to miss time here as a result of being placed in the league's health and safety protocols after returning a positive test. And just so everybody remembers, after a player tests positive, he must isolate away from the team for 10 days or return to negative PCR tests in a 24-hour period before they can get back in action. The Bulls are up to, what, now 10 players I think uh, while doing this show, they added a 10th, if I have that right. Alizé um, Johnson tested yeah. positive today. So so they were at 9. Now it's 10 that are in the COVID-19 protocols uh, since the start of this you know month. They're asking the league to uh, maybe uh, pause their season right now because like they technically do have enough guys because I think it's uh, the league mandates eight, a minimum of eight players before they would really uh, postpone anything. But this is... This is wild. The Hornets obviously have their issues. The Bulls worse than anyone. And then there's a bunch of other guys, too, that are that are into, into these uh, health and safety protocols. And I saw, I think it was, was it Hollinger or somebody else saying, like, Tass, the, does the league need to take a pause here? Uh, and maybe take a week or two? Or are they just going to try and power through this? History says they're going to power through because of, uh, you know, last year's situations where they're kind of going game by game. And that's how I feel they'll play this. Uh, Bulls Tuesday night game. I think that one will inevitably be delayed, but 
then you know guys start trickling back and it's a situ- a team by team thing and mm-hmm. yeah you can reschedule a few games but i yeah i don't see a an olympic style pause happening here for a week or two i don't see that happening no the the, the list though is crazy i mean cuz Zach Levine there DeMar DeRozan um is De- yeah DeRozan was in there John Morant mm-hmm. of course i'm just like listing big names i know Kyle Kuzma's entered health and safety protocols Stanley Johnson uh, yeah, the yeah. Bulls signed Stanley Johnson as a okay. hardship exception, and then he was diagnosed. Yeah. Their broadcaster, Stacey King, went into COVID protocols. Bill Wennington replaced him, and now Bill Wennington is in COVID yeah. protocols. It is an outbreak uh, for the Bulls right now. Like you said, they got the Pistons on Tuesday. They've got another game a little bit later this week, and they're supposed to be getting Kobe White and Javante Green are kind of first on the list to be returning from COVID protocols, but I mean, heading into Christmas time, it's like, is the league going to take a pause now when they really start ramping up at Christmas yeah, time? Know. Seems unlikely, but man, cases are piling up right now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, okay. Let's hear from you guys. Winners of the NBA weekend, losers of the NBA weekend. I know you've been dropping some of your suggestions in the stream team. Let us know in the YouTube comments below the vid. Tweet at us at No Dunks Inc. We're going to take our final break, but when we come back, tweet of the night fun. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. It's time for Tweet of the Night. Mmm. Tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. We've got two tweets for you guys. Very, very different. First one, it's from Tom Ziller. At Team Ziller. Ghostface Ziller. Quote, Given F1's apparent success in leveraging a behind-the-scenes Netflix show to build American fandom, it remains mind-boggling that the NBA doesn't have a Hard Knocks-style show. Now, I saw the responses to Ziller. A lot of people pointing out the NBA has tried this, um, the hard knock style, the association. Guys, remember that? <laughs> Didn't really Celtics? take it. Was it a Celtics? Yeah. I, I was feel like there was one too? Yeah, maybe so. I feel like Big Baby Davis was involved in one of them. I don't know why. Just, um, just what I'm feeling. And, yeah, and other people pointed out the Raptors do something similar. They do open gym, uh, which is along the same lines, they, obviously just for their team. Uh, but what did you think, uh, Leah? I mean, what's your take on this? You know, he's alluding to F1 and the success of Drive to Survive, getting people like myself into F1. Um, does this work, though, in the NBA if they tried something hard knock style or drive to survive style? Uh, I think the first thing they need to do is open up the, the mic'd up segment because that's very vanilla. Like, good job, man. Good hustle. We got to get this. You know, it's nothing. It's like the third <laughs> the in-between quarter interview on the sideline. Coach, yeah. uh, 
Yeah, you guys, good defense in the first quarter. What'd you like about it? You know, oh, we played hard. It doesn't tell us anything. There's no juice there. There's no meat on that bone. So I, I would start there miking up somebody and being a little bit more free with it and saying if he's calling out another player on the other team, like, for example, let's just say Patrick Beverly. I think you'd get gold out of Patrick Beverly on the sideline, right. trash talking everyone while his team's getting pounded. That, though, is more interesting to me than seeing someone just like gassing up their homie when he makes a good play. You know, it's like, great work out there, buddy. Doesn't do anything. So mm-hmm. I would start there and see if you can get some traction out of that and then potentially look into building it into a, uh, a seasonal thing if you can do that. But I think that's clearly the NBA just doesn't have enough of that juicy in-game stuff that we all really want and we just don't get. Yeah, you, you want the, the spiciness of Twitter in right. a television show. Right. But you want <laughs> the you problem want is, is, is the league ever going to really want that? But and, if and Kevin Durant is jawing with somebody on the other team, we yeah. want to hear that without it being censored yeah. and without... Well, I mean, okay, you don't want him just, like, cussing the whole time, but you want to hear the battle rather than just the, like, good job, guy, you know, whatever it is. Like, that doesn't that just doesn't excite anybody. Okay. Uh, yeah, Trey, what do you think? Is it, Could this ever work uh, for the NBA? Not the way that the NBA is right now. Like Lee is saying, the league is too concerned with their image to let bad words go out because, I mean, like, that's the incredible stuff with hard knocks is you're seeing, like unvarnished takes from these people. They're yelling at each other. Nobody's really caring about whether or not they come off good. They're just going through their training camp. And I think that that's yeah. the difference with the NBA is it's going to be very controlled, just like uh, like a hot mic segment is anytime you watch that. And it's just, let's go, let's go, let's play hard. Great stuff out there. So yeah, if the league were to kind of completely change the way they market the game and allow players to actually show their personalities rather than just their media personalities, it would be awesome. And as many people are mentioning in the stream team, a lot of teams do this on their YouTube channels, Mm -hmm. but it's all very safe as well. And I also think there's something lost in that like a football roster, there's like 75 people there, right? Like there's like so many... So many positional battles for players who are like just barely in the league. Yeah. I don't think it's um, as interesting if you're like, oh, is Jared Vanderbilt or Nas Reed going to be starting for the Timberwolves? That's probably not drawing people in. Yeah. I saw one of the replies too in the comparison to Drive to Survive task was like, they didn't think it would help as much as you think in the NBA because there's just too many games in the NBA too. Like no regular season game is really all that appointment level television. The way like, an F1 race is, even a football game is because there's so few of them and sort of the schedule of it all, just like this build up to the once a week type of thing. And and again, they went on to say like, if F1, if races were on three times a week for 24 weeks out of the year or whatever, then the Netflix show probably wouldn't work as well. I think there's some, some truth to that. Um, But what's your take on this tweet here from Ziller? Yeah, I think that take is, is good. It's similar to the NFL, obviously collecting hard knocks footage from, you know, Monday through Friday, where it's just, Practice, 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 practice. Well, uh, in the NBA, it would be yeah, it would be different. Uh, it's it's it would be a a heck of an undertaking to really sort of wrap your head around cameras around thirty teams traveling all that time. It's it's different in that F one is in one environment for a week, right? And and the Bucks are in four cities in a week. Right. Uh, so it's like. It's it's just it's a lot. I mean, we watched the last dance. That was one team, and it was obviously highly edited, highly curated to uh, to MJ's liking. And it was yeah, it was um, 
like, I mean, the word is sometimes, sometimes it was censored for sure. And that was one team over uh, uh, several years. I, I just think it's a, it's a big, a big undertaking to try and wrap. If you're trying to wrap the 2021, 2022 season uh, into like 30 teams and, and following them, um, I mean, it's just a lot of editing. It's yeah. a lot of work. It's, it's just, it's, it would be hard to do. And it is, uh, the, the stars, I go back to the M- MJ thing, the stars control a lot of it. Um, and, and I don't know, it would be difficult to do. You'd, you'd also, I think, like you guys know the F1 uh, doc better than I do. You're kind of relying a lot on the personalities of the coaches, the front office players, like, you know, the, the, the teams around these guys. And so in the NBA equivalent, it's the front office. I just don't see them being as open about it. It's, it's just a different dynamic. I think oh, it's yeah. sort of the, the league um, because it's a little bit more closed off. I don't know if it lends itself to something like that. I think the team ones are the best ones in that you follow one team. And uh, yeah, there aren't like great examples, but the open gym one, the Raptors one is, is a good one. Um, but yeah, it's, it's about having more access. What it comes down to it is about uh, being a little less uh, censored and just letting some of this go. And maybe... Maybe the F1 example is a good one. Maybe the Hard Knocks uh, example is a good one for letting. It's just a, it's just a good template, I guess, to say, you know, we don't have to be all PG. And I guess that's the way things are going anyway. So let's open it up a little bit. Let's have a few swears, as the kids say. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I'm glad I brought that up. Nice to get you guys' take on that. Everybody in the stream team there. Uh, this other tweet, it's from a couple of days ago, but I just had to show it to everybody. It's from at Bullis Kyle. Mm. He said, playing on a raggedy warehouse hoop, which recently fell over and shattered the backboard, we will not be deterred, though. We will still provide amateur wedgies. And then if you're joining us on YouTube and you got to come over to see the pick here from at Bull is Kyle, this ball is wedged in the backboard uh, because there is no, for the most part, there's no uh, actual glass there. Um, so this is a first that I can imagine or can remember, Trey. I don't think we've ever seen this one. I'm sure Contavious Caldwell Pope is. <laughs> Ooh, I'd like to give this one a go. Uh, but I don't. Yeah, I don't even know what you call this. It's like a new variation on a wedgie. Anything come to mind? I remember somebody responded to this tweet, and I don't know who it was, and said maybe a brick stick. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> it's not yeah. bad. Oh, that it's was not, you. Not great, that was you. But, oh. Yeah. Well, I I thought it was good. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. What else are you going to call this? Uh, glassy? (laughs) Glassy tassy? I don't know. I would have loved to have seen the shot that shattered the glass the first time as well. Well, well, he said, well, well, he said the backboard fell over and shattered, Ah. but was that because of a shot? Yeah. Who knows? Uh, Lee, what do you think, man? Yeah, it's, it is hilarious. Uh, but I don't know what we call it. Like it's stuck, (laughs) it's wedged, it's lodged. It's, but they're all taken really, aren't they? So, uh, Squeezy? squeezy, some, yeah, someone's put a squeezy in there, a squishy. Yeah, I don't mind that. Uh, oh, a squishy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a boardy. Nice. A boardy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and Josh, final thoughts on this very, very rare wedgie. It is rare. A pole stall? I mean, I don't, I don't know. What do you call that thing that's in the middle of a backboard? The support beam, a beam? Yeah. Beam, uh, the beam team. So I need some, yeah, the beam team. I need something. Yeah, I'm looking for a rhyme for sure, but I got <laughs> nothing. Okay. Well, well, we'll keep working on it. And uh, thanks to at Bullis Kyle for uh, tweeting that in to our No Dunks Twitter account. Pick em results Friday night. Lakers, Thunder. Could OKC win their third straight game against the Los Angeles Lakers? No, they couldn't. Uh, and they were the dog. They had some points to play with. They got hammered. So 
Makes sense that I got it wrong. Well, the coin got it wrong. Coin is not got one right. <laughs> the coin this told awesome. me. The coin is, I believe, 0 and 3. Uh, so I'm 1 and 7 here. I'll be losing another month. Uh, Lee's 3 and 5. I guess you're within striking distance. Tass is 4 and 4, and Trey is 7 and 1, the opposite of my record. So lots of games on tonight. What's Where are we going, Tass? Nine games, Monday night. I thought this line was huge, even though I'm a Cleveland Cavaliers backer. They're favored by 5.5 points on the Miami Heat, a very good team, a team that I deem in a tier above the Cleveland Cavaliers, but the Cavs are a five and a half point favorite at home. Uh, So Splitsville is understandable. Two of us on the Heat, two of us on the Cavs. Uh, Trey Lee taking Cleveland to cover six or more. Skeets and myself are on the Heat. Uh, Lee, let's get your take on why you believe the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to cover by six or more. Well, they're at home uh, playing really well. No injury concerns. Five and a half is a, is a juicy line, but if they play the way they've been playing recently, I think they can do it. Obviously, the Heat's still without uh, Jimmy Butler and bam, and I think that's big. I think when you've got Mobley and Jared Allen playing the way they have, PJ Tucker's obviously going to be uh, working hard, and so is Dwayne Dedman, but uh, the Cavs' length there could really, <laughs> really be a problem tonight for the uh, Heat, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the coin the coin disagrees with you. <laughs> yeah, that's why I picked the Cavs. Skeets picked the Heat, so <laughs> pretty easy pick today. Uh, this one's interesting because I actually I decided in my head who would I take in this? Okay, I would have taken Miami Heat to cover tonight, and then I flipped the coin. And the coin also said the Heat. Power. <laughs> so maybe if we just combine our shitty powers together, the opposite comes true. But uh, you know, Tass is going Miami too, and. And this is the biggest Cleveland Cavaliers fan I know. So <laughs> something's up, right, Tassie? They're yeah, going to they cover. Are. Yeah, they'll probably cover. Uh, the Cavs, are, they're good. They're playing really well. As I said, they annihilated the Kings on Saturday night. But they don't feel like a blowout team against good teams. That right. was a good stat Trey brought up. One and eight above against above 500 teams. Now they can still win. Yeah. Cover. It's a lot of points there. Yep. We will find out. We'll be back tomorrow morning to break down, hopefully, that game. There's actually some really interesting games, I think, on tonight. Like, you look at the schedule, and there's some, like, oh, decent matchup, decent matchup, decent matchup. So hopefully they result in some great games, and we'll talk about them at 10 a.m. Eastern live here on YouTube. Email in your NBA questions, nodunksattheathletic.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, at nodunksinc, and grab yourself an athletic subscription. Go to theathletic.com slash nodunks. All right, guys, fun show. As they always are on a Monday, we'll be back tomorrow. Till then, Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. Uh, to wrap up, I need an answer from Succession. It's not a spoiler. Oh, boy. It's not a spoiler. This is from the second last episode. My question, was that actually Kieran's Culkin that we saw? <laughs> <laughs> Embrace the day, people. Embrace the day, people.